Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Matty A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. Today is August 15th. I'm your host, Matty A, along with my co-host, Mr. Breedwell. What up, guys? The real question is, did you have tacos and beer yesterday on your first day in Mexico? Wasn't my first. That was my third. Oh, third. Okay. Yes. I had, I went to a taco spot that's like straight up. We went down to the streets and we went to this place called El Go, I don't know what it's called. It was it's delicious though. I had five pastor tacos. The dude's cutting it off the thing. He looks like a samurai, slices Fire. a piece of pineapple off the top. Um, I cannot confirm or deny the amount of modelos that were con- consumed, but there may have been a couple. A couple. Well, I'm glad you were having fun for the both of us. And we've got a great show for all of our listeners here today. If you are new yes. to the show. We talk all things money. Money Money moves every single day. Whether that is the stock market moving, whether that is your bank account moving, hopefully in the right direction, or that is your real estate portfolio and equities moving. We cover all things real estate stocks and market news and updates. So if that is of interest to you, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoy the show, all we ask, take two seconds to leave us a five-star review in iTunes. Also, if you haven't done so already, shot us a text, said what up, 844-447-1555. Whether it's questions, comments, you can always reach out to us at that number, 844-447-1555. We are starting a new segment, a couple new segments on the show. And uh, I just want to give a big shout out to everybody that uh, you know texted us, commented, uh, sent us your thoughts and feedback around the show name and going live. We're going to be doing our first 
live show in September. So we'll have more information on that date. And don't worry if you can't make the live show. This is just going to be a way for us to interact with our guests, pull people in, um, do some cool segments that we've been planning and getting set up here in the studio uh, just to bring more value to you guys. So that way you can see charts, graphs, things that we're looking at, videos, all kinds of cool stuff. And that'll be put up on YouTube as well. Um, with that being said, we're going to have a new show segment name as well, which is, you know, some of the, um, you know, feedback and input that we've got from many of you has been greatly appreciated. Have there been any names that have stood out to you, Mr. Breedwell, that you're liking so far? There's a couple. I don't, uh, I don't have any that I'm as particular on. I care a lot less. I know that you know that because <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, whatever the show's name is, great for me. Um, I, I I could care less as long as it's not like you know riding the donkey down the hill with Matt and Ryan, you know, some <laughs> stupid shit like that. Hey, I mean um, that, that could be a good ass time too, bro. Come on now. The uh, <laughs> sell yourself the short. Name, I think some people have said like moving money or money moves or something like that. We'll 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 figure it out. But I'm NBA ex- show I'm money I'm business update assets yeah we got some we'll we'll have some more we're going to be releasing new show artwork we got new show uh yeah, sound intro we're we're redoing our entire wealth building wednesday segment for you guys to kind of take it to that next level uh so with that being said we've got some new segments that yeah. we are rolling out in the show as well this date in history august 15th 1945 us stock markets close to celebrate the end of World War II. I'm saying World War II is just that just done. <laughs> Japan formally surrounded um, uh, surrendered the day before August 14, 1945. Stock markets would reopen August 17, 1945, without much excitement, as rumors of Japan surrendering had been floating around the trading floor for over a week. In fact, it seems the news was already priced in the Dow Jones Industrial Average would close down 0.25% on August 17th, 1945. Already priced in. We've been saying that a lot. Is it priced in or is it not? It's an interesting... Uh, it's crazy that to think that they shut down the world uh, headquarters for trading, essentially, um, for two whole days. Two whole important? days. Would they ever yeah. be able to do that nowadays? Would that, would that even no. be an option? Nope. No. Couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't it's do it. Just, it. It would stop business. It would actually like... It's too... Uh, we're too integrated and too digital nowadays, and everything's too reliant on that. So no, they couldn't. I don't believe they could do it. I'll put it that way. Obviously, I don't know, but I do not believe that that is a doable thing. Shutting down the stock market where trillions, we're talking maybe millions back in the, you know, hundreds of millions back in that time. We're talking multiple trillions of dollars per day moving through there. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they could do something else. Like maybe they would have a half day in the market. Yeah, that could be something. But I don't know if they would do a full 48 hours of no trade. I was going to say, not a full day, two full days. Our market, our economy is just, it's its too big. It's too integrated now. Like that that train is just ripping out on the open track. There's no way you could bring her no. back into the station and do some, uh, do some maintenance and let things shut down for a couple of days. I could just never imagine that nowadays. 
No, it wouldn't happen. It, you have to think it'd almost be like, oh yeah, let's shut, let's uh, close all the, uh, let's stop recording real estate for two days. Can you imagine what that would happen? Yeah. Yeah. It'd that'd be, be, that'd yeah. be wild. It would take what, months to fix too. Well, we got some updates for you on what has transpired this last week. Some big reports. We said we would be covering PPI and CPI. Inflation has yeah. it peaked out. We will be touching on that today. Some concerns that Mr. Breedwell is spotlighting between the two-year and the 10-year bonds. We also are going to recap the last two weeks in the market and things that you should be paying attention to. We've got some big uh, things on the schedule this week that you want to be paying attention to as well when it comes to movement in the markets. And we've got some housing inventory updates. With that being said, before we dig in, I've got a trivia question for you today. What is larger? In size of scope, when we're talking about money, larger than the top 10 richest people in the world. That's a, do I get any options or I just come up with it? Yeah, this is just a, this is just so one. one is larger than the top 10 people in the world. Yep. It's a is fund. It, oh, a fund. Oh, gosh. It is so. Um, let me give you the top ten richest people in the world: thirteen hundred billion plus dollars. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, the Arnold family, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Larry Page, Sergey Brin, Larry Ellison, Steve Ballmer, and Mukesh Ambani. Those are the top ten richest people in the world: over thirteen billion collective dollars, and this one fund is larger than all of them combined. I mean, I know I know a bunch of assets, man. I was just looking at like Gibson, for, for example. It is Gibson's something big. that has been very expensive as of late and is now starting to come down. Is it lumber? <laughs> it is, drum roll please, Norway's oil fund. Norway's oil fund. Norway's oh, oil Trillion fund dollars. is larger Boy. than the combined wealth of the richest 10 people in the world at $13.39 billion. Is that 13000 No, it's uh, $1,339 billion. Or $1.3 Yep. That's a lot. That's a lot of oil, boys. That's a lot. That's a lot of oil. I didn't oil. realize that they were... So five percent lower today too, because oil is down about five percent today as we're speaking right now. So yeah, so oil. Let's talk about the peak performers of the week and our um, weak performers of this last week. What are we looking at in the markets here today? Um, last uh, the past tech was has been the winner in August so far. There's been a huge run up in uh, some beat up tech names. Um, I have some positions for clients that have done very well. Um, yes, a lot thank of you for that. energy storage has been big. That's, that's kind of like an energy play, but more on the tech side. So energy storage, uh, that means utility players are doing good. As I mentioned last week, it looked like, looked like oil was in a channel down pattern and I was going to need to wait until today, Monday to see if it peaked out. And sure enough, it's down 5%. It hit a new 
it hit a new lower high. And so it kicked back down. And so that's going to keep that channel downtrend going. Eventually, a channel downtrend uh, puts itself into what we would in the trading world call a bull flag, where you kind of get to this convergence point where it needs to pop up. So that does give us some guidance for when oil should come back up. But as I had mentioned a few weeks ago that I thought oil was going to start to go down because I saw a downtrend starting to form. That channeling down pattern made me feel even better. And then today, it's kind of in the cards that it does appear that oil will continue to trend down, which is good for oil prices overall. And then is indicative that we might have hit a peak in our inflationary pressures and we can start getting that moderated and pushed in a downward direction. I think something that people keep getting mixed up when we say we've hit peak inflation is that like it's done. That just means that it's not going up aggressively anymore. And it's kind of now moving in a sideways pattern. So we have control of it to a degree. You don't know where something's going when it just keeps shooting straight up, but you can get some direction when it's moving on more of a horizontal pattern. And so when it does that, that gives the Fed the ability to say, okay, we do need to raise interest rates by XYZ because then we can actually see it go down. It's, it's hard to know what to do when things keep going up. When you can do something and then you can see it hit down, that means that you know policy is effective and you can affect policy better that way. So it's overall a good thing. You should see oil prices this week at the pump go down. You should see your gas prices per gallon go down nationwide by at least a couple cents. So we saw last week, and this has been a conversation, you and I were talking about it. I've been talking about it with every single person that we've been reviewing or recapping You know the CPI and PPI reports, which uh, PPI uh, was, I think the print was at negative 0.5. Yeah, negative 50 basis points, which means it, it retracted back. And that's the producer price index, which means how much is it costing those producers to get that product to you as the consumer, aka how much are they going to try to pass through to the consumer and, and cost. Because that retraced itself, that probably means there's not going, you're not going to see any price hikes in those areas of whatever materials or sectors it was tracking. But it's not indicative that, hey, we're out of the woods yet. It's just another notch in the belt to say, hey, there's another positive piece of news that does give us... We're moving what felt like a runaway inflation train, right? Everybody kept saying runaway inflation, runaway inflation yeah. being a very you know scary and slippery slope to be on when you're talking about the US economy now, at least like you said, retracing in the direction that the Fed wants it to be going in. A lot of people going, well... We are in an election year and the current administration wants to do anything and everything they can to make sure that the economy feels, smells, sounds healthy, or at least is trending in the right direction. I mean, they don't, they don't want, they'll re, let's just say they will uh, redefine what, uh, you know, recession or bad things mean if it makes the administration look bad, right? So they're, they're happy about this. And with core also showing, uh, a, a trace in the right direction. What is the overall sentiment on Wall Street and the economy, you know, around the market and the economy as a whole with these numbers coming out last week? I think that the overall kind of temperature check that I'm getting and feeling from the people that I talk to and the folks that we get our data from is people are starting to move from a cautiously bearish uh, kind of scene more to a moderately bullish scene or cautiously bullish scene, uh, very selective on what they're buying, which is another thing I've been saying. There's there's always a bull market. You just got to pick and choose in these types of markets what you're going to buy and when you're going to buy it. 
Um, it's not the 2019 where you just close your eyes and buy anything and 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 you'll make money. We've had markets like that plenty of times. 2010, 11, 12 was like that. The late 90s was like that. The late 80s was like that. There's always times when there's there's runaway markets in a bull market and it's easy to make money. We've preached that multiple times. I think people are starting to say, hey, inflation is high. And we have been in this cycle. If there is, if if we were going through a technical recession, which I think we're coming out of, we're nine months into it at this point because it would have started back into January. So if if there is data to support, and if I do believe that, well, then we're at the tail end of it, not at the beginning of it. So I need to start making moves to be indicative of that. And how how fucking crazy I'm. I'm still thinking November is going to be a big turnaround point. We're still below the 200-day moving average, which is really what I'm looking for on the S&P 500, about 2.5% below that. If we can break out above that and hold, that will be when I can kind of put my stamp on it to say, hey, I think we're in a new cyclical bull market. You should ignore all headline news. You should ignore anything that anybody else says because I know that I'm, I'm right. Right now, I don't know I'm right. I think I'm right. But um, I want a little bit more data to keep trickling in. The nice thing is about the last six or seven things that me and you have said that needed to happen uh, in order for that to happen, have happened. Oil is going down. Core PPI continues to be under pressure, meaning it's moderating. Housing inventory is staying stable. Um, Yes, there's foreclosures, but oh, whoop to do. It's no shocker. It's all subprime. I mean, yep. it's over 90% subprime, which is already baked into it. They know that's going to happen. Um, evictions are up on subprime, not on quality, um, you know, what we would consider triple B plus investment grade paper. Um, you have consumer spending still strong, which some pundits will say is a negative because it hurts with inflation. Those, those are the type of people you need to be careful getting information from because those are the people that give financial advice to your parents and your parents' parents. And that's not the way money works anymore. Um, we need strong consumer spending in order to stave off the, effect of, the effects of an interest rate hike. Normally, when an interest rate hike happens, the market does not go up. The reason the market has continued to go up is because consumer spending stays strong and the consumer is willing to absorb the cost in order for it to be the quote unquote greater good for everybody. That why somebody would say that consumers need to stop slowing down so that we can, it's like they just want to see interest rates go down and we go into recession because that's what's always happened. Don't listen to those people. Those are those people are completely off base and have been this whole entire year. And if you remembered me in the past, what I've told you when people continuously regurgitate stuff that's not right and it's been not right, and they'll still say it's going to be right. That's called selling your book. It's it's what people do in our industry when they've made moves and they're eating the freaking crow and they don't want to admit it. It's called selling your book. It's where, hey, I took these positions and I have too much ego to, to say that I was wrong taking those positions and I don't want to close them out. So I'm going to try to convince people that these positions are actually good. Don't listen to those people. Those are those are wrong, wrong people. You need to go back to just what the data says. Oil going down is is positive for a bull market because we need oil to be low so people aren't burning all their cash at the gas pump. That leaves up discretionary uh, money. Inflation is high. You can't sit your money in the bank. Banks still treat people like shit and they don't pay them any yield. And they're leveraging their money and making money on these 5 6 7% loans. 
you have to invest your money somewhere. So it's just coming to a point where it's, what else are you going to do? There is no alternative. You have to, you have to put your money to work somewhere because it's just getting eaten alive in your bank account. So there's a ton of dry powder on the sidelines right now. I think people need to hold some money back for real estate. If you're a real estate investor for the next six to eight months, I think we're going to see a nice trough in some of the cheaper, lower end uh, stuff. Or there's a lot of real estate investors that just being fair didn't know what the hell they were doing. And those people are going to fall out of the market too. And they're going to need a soft landing. There's lots of opportunity is the bottom line is what I'm seeing. And um, if we can continue on the trend that we're on right now, we should be able to maybe even fully recover all the losses of the stock market by the year end and then flat or even slightly positive. That's huge for investors, especially retirees this year. I mean, the US printed $6 trillion in the course of 227 years. And it took only months to print another $6 trillion in 2020. So as you said, right, like inflation isn't disappearing. It is here to stay. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to make sure that we can reverse course and have it trending in the right direction. But it's not just going to evaporate into thin air by the Fed making some of these swift moves, right? And they're not going to pivot on making any, oh, the economy's fixed again. We're going to start lowering interest rates and we're going to start... They shouldn't. They can't, right? Ultimately. No, they would ruin all of the hard work that they have put in to to date. Why would you why would you renege on all the stuff that you did? Jerome Powell had to fight, you know, bullets flying at him for months and stay the course. So I don't see them retracing on that. Again, anything can happen. But I see them more so um, raising interest rates through Q1, maybe even Q2 of 2023, and then starting to either ease off or even indicate a cut in rates at the end of 2023 or as early as Q3 2023. But nowhere until then should anybody expect to have any lowering in the cost of money. They have to remake all the money back that they gave you for free. So the market over the course of the last two weeks seems to have had what feels like, and you would know more accurately around the data, the best two weeks we've seen in the market all year. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yep. It was actually some of the days in the market were some of the best in years, like multiple years. Um. July, if you weren't in the stock market, sorry. Um, in August has been a rocking month so far. We're about halfway through the month right now. And we've seen a huge run up in the market over the past couple of weeks. A little bit of pullback. Um, but again, volatility is not gone. It's still here. There's sectors of the market where there's a ton of opportunity. I have been picking up things like a kid in a candy store. Like I have been all year. Um, I gotta tell you that I buy more Twilio because you know I've been buying more of that. Um, but there's lots of stuff that have, is just like it doesn't make sense why it's so cheap. Uh, you have brands like Walmart getting beat up over week week forward guidance, and people tend to forget they're the most profitable company in the world. It's just like where where's Walmart going? I mean, like you're really gonna get worried on a on a oh hey we're only gonna we're gonna miss uh, profits or revenues potentially by two or three percent, 
And people are freaking out on that. And that, and I have no idea why. It's like, oh, okay, great. That kind of makes sense. Inflation's about double of what it's supposed to be. So two or three percent off your profit. I can I can accept that. What are you going to do to make it up? Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pay a higher dividend. Perfect. I'm happy. I'm not going to get annualized return. I'll just get cash. It's it's really not as bad as people are making it out to be. And what you're going to start dealing with, like I said, I'm coming on the back end of my time. And people are starting to poop on the housing market. You're going to start hearing a lot of naysayers spitting spitting facts and all this other stuff. Um, and you know, I've been dealing. I deal with that stuff in my life all the time as well. There's a lot of people. You can edit a video and make yourself look a lot smarter than you than you are, um, and that's the unfortunate part of I think like social media. Um, the benefit is you can reach a large crowd. It's up to you as a listener to discern who is giving you the right data and who's just feeding you a bunch of bullshit. Uh, all I can tell you is rewind our podcast and and make data points and and track if you would have invested a hundred dollars and followed our advice. Um, we are here to make people wealthy and we make people wealthy by giving them the, the, the data that we know that works for us. I'm the expert on my field. Matt's the expert in his field. And together we make this wonderful strawberry banana smoothie of information. <laughs> we hope, Hopefully you guys can take it and use it. Um, but it's, it's fun being able to, to give you guys the right information, make moves on. And um all I can tell you is just to make sure that you are prudent on your plan. Because the biggest thing this year that I've seen throwing people off is they've finally, they've had a plan in place, but it's never had been tested. And it's some of people's plans got tested and they got scared and they pulled out. And that's unfortunate because a lot of those people would have been very profitable or had a good experience at this point if they would have just stuck to the course. Staying invested, man, is is the hardest thing to do when emotions are high, when fear is being pumped in through the headlines, when you're seeing all the meme pages talking about the crash or the bubble. Like that is the hardest part for people to silence that noise. And I'll 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 say I'm in a lot of high net worth, super smart, savvy investment, you know, very wealthy type of circles and conversations with a lot of the mastermind groups and mentors that I'm a part of uh, or mentor uh, mentors that I have in my world. And thank God for people like, you know, you, Ryan, who uh, anytime I'm like, oh, this is a little concerning. What about this? Right. And you will have some great data, some great facts and some real high level information that I can use to, you know, kind of bring into my peripheral of, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Stay the course, stay the course. Right. And we haven't pulled out of the market. We've stayed invested. We've continued to reinvest. Um, and you know, everybody that I know that has done that has, yeah, had a little bit of choppiness. Of course, who hasn't yeah. over the you know course of this year have really done well as a result of that. Yeah, and if you look at anybody who's successful. They, none of them are going to have a flowery story of how they got there. All of them are going to have some turmoil in the midst of it, but all of them stuck to their game plan and they're here today. You've been doing investing for 10 plus years. So you've been through yep. a whole lot of stuff that didn't go right. Um, there's stuff currently in the past and in the future that'll be that way too. But it doesn't mean that it's you're not going to be successful because of it. I think that the more that you deal with that kind of stuff, it's a little bit of a reminder that you are 
in a successful area because things don't go smooth all the time um, in business. And it's just not, that's just not the way it is. Um, so having challenges and having, knowing how to navigate those challenges ultimately just build on your brand and help you grow even bigger in the future. So uh, adversity is a positive thing as long as you treat it like that. Yeah. I mean, one of my quotes that I always think about when it comes to invest, investing is um, volatility is the price you pay to be wealthy. There's there's not one person that became wealthy without risk, without hitting a rock bottom, without feeling scared that they should sell out or they every single person that has experienced real wealth, unlocked real passive income, you know, has the balance sheet to show they've unlocked some real success. Guaranteed, there's been many, many peaks and valleys along that journey and many times that they were challenged with volatility mentally, you know, physically in the markets and their business and their financial decisions, whatever it may be. And you have to find a way through fundamental, prudent, diligent investing and really just having good counsel and people around you to weather that volatility because you get stuck up in here, which I often do. I'm pointing to my head right now that for those that aren't watching me, when you get stuck up in your own head, you know, it's a dangerous place to be by yourself. It really is. You know, the amount of uh, doubts and fears and honestly, negative self-talk, every human being, we all have, no matter how positive, no matter how much personal development you do, we all get stuck in our own heads sometimes. And the conversations and, you know, rabbit holes that we can go down that are not productive, that are not positive, everybody has that. Everybody experiences that. It's, you know, what you feed consistently going forward that dictates what actions you take next or what you don't do. And that's where having real counsel, quality board of directors, people that understand the game that you're playing, and ultimately, they're all playing the same game, right? Which is this long-term vision and view and planning and, and actions around creating wealth over an extended period of time by just doing consistent small things, whether the market's crazy good, crazy bad, right? You pick your spots of maybe being a little bit more aggressive or when you want to hedge your risk and you know pull back a tiny bit. But at the end of the day, you never stop. You always have to consistently commit to what that plan is. And volatility is going to be a part of that journey no matter what. So volatility is going to be a price that you pay to unlock wealth to unlock freedom. And that's something that you have to one mentally wrap your head around and build rhythms and frameworks for, you know, combating that volatility. At the same time, right, you have to make sure that you are really building the right people around you to help you when you need it, when your own rhythms and frameworks, you know, start to get questioned, you've got other people to bend an ear, lend advice, right, create you know, action plans that consistently keep you on the path that you need to be on. And that's ultimately what every, at least that I've seen successful investor does is, yeah, they've all lost money. Yeah, they've all taken risks. Yeah, they've all, you know, had really big wins along the way. But they have found a way to push through the uncertainty in times of uncertainty. And they have found ways to push through, you know, volatility and second guessing themselves and just staying the course. Yep, yep. And, you know, 
anybody who's reached out to me that's a client, that's a listener and been like, hey, you know, just want to check in. The market's going down. If you're wondering why my response is very short and sweet, yep. No problem, though. This is to be expected. Normal market cycle. Not fun, but this is completely normal. Stick to the plan and stay the course. We'll be fine. That's about my general response to almost everybody, um, no matter what, because I don't, I don't need to know exactly what's going on in the market or exactly what's going on in your plan, because I know what I've bought for that plan and what that plan has, and I know what I do for clients. There's no reason to be worried about volatility, because as you are explaining, it's the price you pay for the returns today that you don't then have to worry about tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, This is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. If you don't have volatility, you just work for the rest of your life. And it's, it's as simple as that. So it's this necessary evil. And what we normally do is we have more volatility in our early years. And as we earn our keep and make our base, we shorten and shorten and shorten our exposure to volatility because we no longer need volatility. We can, we can live off of yield. And yield is something that like real estate does a very good job at because it normally has very low volatility and very high yield. Generally, you're going to trade annualized return when you have higher yield. Stocks tend not to have a higher yield as real estate, but have a much higher annualized return. Therefore, their volatility is higher. Using those two in conjunction, you tend to get way more cash flow in the early years from real estate. And then you can make up the back end with stocks in the, in the, in the later years. That's how they work in sympathy with each other. And that's also how volatility works. The older and older you get, the more established your investment plan becomes. You don't need as much volatility because you simply don't need the rates of return. You know, if you make 5% on a thousand bucks, hey, great, you made 50 bucks. That's awesome, man. Which when you make 5% on $50 million, that's a lot of money. You don't need to make a lot of money on that amount of money to make a lot of money. That's my point. So the journey is to get to the point where you don't need a lot of volatility. But don't be fooled that in your early years, 
even in real estate, because you're going to be structuring deals that you have no idea how to structure sometimes. That's the volatility there. You have to take risk. And if you are not willing to take risk, do not expect reward. It just doesn't come. So real quick to talk about some potential concerns uh, in the market, or at least things to spotlight and keep an eye on that really could have an impact on a lot of different um, you know, economic levers here is this, what's going on with the two-year and the 10-year? Yeah, the spread right now is pretty wide and we haven't had a spread like this. We, t- we touched close down to this line back in April and then recovered, but we have a negative spread on that 10 and two-year. That means that the, the shorter duration debt has a higher yield or higher coupon rate than the longer duration debt. That's not normal or good. Uh, as a whole. We normally want people that are being prudent and taking out longer-term debt instruments to be paid a higher yield because they are holding their money out in a debt instrument for a longer period of time. The time value is there. The cost of um, the opportunity costs is essentially baked in. When you can buy a two-year bond and make more interest in two years than you can on a 10-year bond, that there's something wrong there. That tends to tell us an inversion on the yield curve. And that's not indicative of anything more than it's an indicator that's not a positive indicator. There's a lot of other things that are going that are very good. But this is one area that's like, eh, not so good. Um, I, it's kind of developing more so. I need, it's only been inverted like this for about three weeks. So we need to see if the yield is continues to invert down. It's trended back up through the end of last week. It's down again a little bit today, but I'm, I need to just track that a little bit more. If that continues to go down and just has a trend down and continues like that for maybe um, five plus weeks, and we're getting a really, really, really widespread on that, that's going to be indicative that there's something going on that we're not calculating in um, and could be bring back the, the, the flames of a recessionary talk. So, um, so what, what could that potentially be? As far as what that, do you mean? That, that moves those bonds. Like what, um, what variables it, could potentially very, negatively rising. impact? When people, um, it's just, this is the relationship with interest rates and bonds. Um, when interest rates go up, the longer the duration the bond is, the more negative impact it has to interest rates rising. So people that still want to have debt instruments will shift from long-term debt to the shorter end side of the debt yep. curve. Um, that's not necessarily a terrible thing, but we tend to like to see the yield curve look like a ramp, not like, like mm-hmm. that. You don't yep. want it to have like a hump in the front and then go way down and because it causes disparagement in the bond market. It pushes people to ultra long debt and ultra short-term debt, but nothing in the middle. And it leaves a gap on safer yield. Bonds are typically and are historically a yep. safer yield instrument. And so when corporations want to raise money and they only have two options, I would say we have to pay a super high interest rate on short-term debt, which we don't want to do. Yeah. Or we have to take out super long-term debt at a really low interest rate that nobody wants. So it, it causes issues in the issuance of debt because when people issue debt, it's just to borrow money to generally 
do projects without having to take a, um, a loan from a creditor or something like that. You're taking a loan from an investor, a retail person like me or Matt or you as the listener. It becomes an issue when there's nothing in the middle. I mean, imagine going for a home loan and they say, hey, by the way, you don't get to pick your home loan. We just have this one right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would kind of suck. Yeah. It's, the menu is much smaller on what you get to pick. And so that's not good for the economy as a whole. It'll slow down the bond market. It'll slow down the debt market, which would trickle into the equities market and not be a positive. It would cause a downturn in the market as a whole. And does does this have any tie-in to kind of Ray Dalio's narrative around the end of the long-term debt cycle? And does that tie into the two-year and the 10-year? Um, not really. It's really just, it's really just interest rates and the effect on portfolio balances. That's really all it is. It's just people trying, it's in people, I say people, it's institutions trying to avoid large losses on what are supposed to be very stable assets on their balance sheet. Mm -hmm. So these assets were purchased with the, with a long-term horizon and they're now having to be shifted to shorter term horizons to cover the yield they need on the coupon values that they're they're purchasing. So that it's really just a, a loss mitigator is what I see. Um, as far as like the credit cycle and the debt cycle mm-hmm. and all that stuff, um, that's also going to throw itself awry because whenever those reports or data, data centers are made, it's when people are spending credit and using things at a lesser value than they are the following year. And credit is becoming more and more and more a thing. And I would also argue people are, are using more of a um, charge card, like what wealthier people do, versus doing traditional credit. There's a lot more people now that will that load up a charge card, which is different than a credit card, and they will pay that charge card off at the end of the month in full. That is more a more known and popular way to do things and was mainly reserved for wealthier people. Matt, you have charge cards. I have charge cards. Wealthier people tend to have charge cards. They don't have a limit. It's just you. It's based on your spending, but you have to settle them up at the end of the month. That's the goal. That's the whole deal on a charge card. Yeah. People are are understanding the notion that you don't need to carry debt. I mean, I don't know who came up with that, that you have to carry some sort of credit card debt in order to build your credit score. Not true. So why not just get a charge card where I don't have a limit and I can spend whatever I want based on how I spend my money and it does the same thing for me. And a lot of the times those charge cards give a lot better benefits to their spenders as well because they're charging merchants more on the transaction. Yep. So that is going to throw a lot of those models for a sideways spin, there's data going to need to be put into that is not calculated. What happens when consumers become more responsible with their credit? Because that's what's, that's actually how it's trending. It's not trending in the other way. People are using credit more, no doubt, but guess what? They had two years to sit on their ass and figure out how a credit card works. <laughs> so people understand now that, that, Oh, wow. I was wrong. I didn't have the time to educate myself, but I don't need to carry debt. It's actually better. Why don't I spend the money I'm going to spend and then just pay it off and then use points or use cash back? That is a huge change in the consumer uh, mind. And that's also why I would say one of the things that's helping consumer spending be so strong. People have, have figured out how to run 30-day budgets, 30 days out. They know when to pay their credit cards off. And then, you know, when they're traveling and they're doing this nice stuff, they're spending points. Yep. 
So it's really the credit card companies spending money that their consumers have already made them and passing it through in upgrades. It's not people loading their credit cards up and floating these balances. It's really not. It's really not. It's people consuming in areas that they want to consume in, that they weren't allowed to consume in. And people are honestly paying their credit cards off. Look at consumer credit card debt. It was at 55 billion and it's trending down. I think it's at 39 billion now. It's a huge, 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 huge deal. That's a huge deal. So all of that stuff would make models like that awry. And again, I think the old guard of, hey, let me let me take data from 50 years ago and show you what's probably going to happen in the future. I don't think that that's going to be doable anymore because we don't work in a financial system that existed even 10 years ago. There's cryptocurrency that is, that's going to be in our system somehow. That's going to completely change stuff. There is... Um, non-fungible tokens that's going to change maybe how we transact on you know there's all these there's blockchain there's all this stuff that didn't exist 10 years ago mm-hmm. that's going to need to be baked into it and guess what by the time those reports are done there's going to be a whole another slew yeah. of things that didn't exist so the best thing to do is stay on your toes have a plan be like water you know what bruce be lee like water yeah exactly because water is hard and strong when it needs to be and soft and fluid when it needs to be. That's how you have to be. Yep. That's how you have to be. Well, I think too, what you're, what you're talking about too, is this velocity of data now that was not as one accessible to the masses before, but also or the institutions. I was going to say, but, but, but now, but on top of that, the smart money, right. And, and how, their resources, their quants, their algorithms, all of the crazy, insane technology they have to sift through all that data, to identify trends, to look at it from a macro and a micro perspective. The world of economics is different in 2022 than it was in 2012, let alone what it was in 2002, let alone back in 1982. And so, yes, of course, we can always look in hindsight and look at the evolution of anything, specifically in this context, the financial markets and economics as a whole. But to stand on your soapbox and die on your sword that what was back then is today as fact and truth is a very dangerous place to be. And that's why we ask and invite all of you, the listeners, to just stay in the conversation. Ryan and I aren't going to sit here and say that we are 100% right. But if you go back and look at most of the data that we share and talk about and assess and as unbiased as we possibly can, look at how does this all tie into the investments and prudent financial, you know, fundamental decision-making that comes around your money and how you can continue to grow and improve it and build it up into a you know, a, a way that ultimately serves and funds your lifestyle and your family and your future. Those are the conversations you want to stay a part of. And that's what we can guarantee you each and every week on our show is to ensure that you're just in the conversation. You're going to grow into the conversations that you participate in. You're going to level up 
to the people and the environments that you put yourself in and that you surround yourself with. And that's where you got to be diligent and prudent and just staying consistently plugged into the right conversations, the right environments, and surrounding yourself and networking with the right people. And I got to say this, man, I'm so excited to be networking and hanging out with... Um, 10 of our Wealth Wine and Dine event attendees that we're going to be doing our first. Uh, in, by the way, big shout out to you on the agenda, the menu, all the stuff that you lined up. It's going to be insane. Um, and we're going to be releasing these and doing these every quarter. So if you want more information, uh, many of you, obviously, we sold out in like 30 minutes. You, you guys didn't have the chance to... Maybe you missed the email or you didn't get on. Uh, again, these are super small, intimate events to hang out with Ryan, myself, and all of the other really badass you know, people that we have listening in our Millionaire Mindcast community. So if you want more information on the Wealth Wine and Dine events, um, those are going to be in Napa. Uh, we'll probably be doing those every quarter and we're going to be releasing some other uh, locations that we'll be doing some of these uh, events as well. Just text the word NAPA to 844-447-1555. Uh, the Tahoe Mastermind uh, details just got released this last Friday. So if you're not on the list for that, you want to be at our High Net Worth Mastermind event in Lake Tahoe at the hotels doing some epic stuff. Um, we're going to uh, be basically reviewing applications here over the course of the next two weeks. Um, text the word Tahoe to that same phone number. If you haven't taken advantage of the free financial x-ray that Ryan and his team do, even if you don't want to move advisors, this is not what that is about. This is about getting you more data and information to help you feel confident and clear in the plan that you're executing on, which we often find most people that take advantage of the free financial x-ray have no clue what financial plan they're actually committed to based on what their advisor has them in, let alone yep. the fees that they're paying, let alone oftentimes a lot of the misalignment with their vision, their goals, and what that person actually has them doing. So if you want to take advantage of that, uh, Ryan and his team do that for free for any of our listeners. Uh, just text the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And if you're one of my accredited high net worth investors, you're looking for more passive income investment opportunities, text the word deals to get on my passive investment list uh, for opportunities and syndications um, with the hotels, multifamily. Uh, we've done some laundromats and other business opportunities. So if you want to get on that list, text the word deals to 844-447-1555 as well. Upcoming schedule this week, not a whole lot going on on Monday, August 15th, August 16th, Tuesday, we got housing starts. Um, we've got the industrial production and capacity utilization uh, for July. That'll be coming out Wednesday, August 17th. Mortgage Purchase Applications Index uh, Retail Index. Sales. So that'll be something that'll be interesting. The consensus is it's going to be uh, about 10 basis points up uh, from the previous months. And then on uh, Wednesday as well, big day, uh, Federal Open Market Committee minutes. Yeah. What are we expecting on Wednesday in terms of the, uh, the Federal Open Market uh, meet, meeting and their their committee minutes and what is that going to tell us? What's the market kind of looking for on what they released that day? 
guidance to see if the Fed is feeling more dovish or hawkish. And I am of the camp that they're going to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. I don't think they should go below that. I think that letting off the gas right now uh, is, is irresponsible. And I also don't think they need to add to it because I think we're in a really good spot. And in realistically, 75 basis points and 1% is, is not as different as 1% and, uh, excuse me, 75 basis points and 50 basis points. 75 basis points is healthy enough and even a little bit too much. 1% is way too much. And that's going to shock the economy and scare people too much. So I think 75 basis points is good. I definitely don't want to hear the Fed talking about how they're going to ease off of raising interest rates. I think they need to keep going through the end of the year, unfortunately, and probably into early 2023. And as much as we don't want our vegetables, we just need to eat them and smile and be happy. And then next year, we'll start making money all over again. Yep. Thursday, August 18th, initial weekly unemployment claims. The consensus is for 265,000 up from 262. So they are expecting, you know, yeah, again, layoffs. That should be, that's normal. Nothing well, that's normal based on what they're trying to have happen, right? I mean, that's ultimately, yeah. this is part of the plan. Now, yep. if we're seeing massive spikes, something to pay attention to, we're talking a delta of 265 to 262. The Philly Fed yeah. Manufacturing Survey, also coming out on Thursday, existing home sales, um, which for July from National Association of Realtors will be coming out. The consensus is for 4.88 million, down from 5.12 million last month. Again, this is if they're doing what they think they're doing and it's working, these are some of the things that they expect to be happening. And these are the reports that they want to basically say, leading actions are we do X, Y, and Z, raise rates, right? Vice versa, lagging uh, indicators of what results come out. Oh, we're starting to see some of these things actually trend in the directions that we want them to, right? And then Friday, uh, state employment and unemployment. So we'll be keeping an eye on those things. We do we do have who's reporting earnings this week? Uh, we got Walmart, I believe, tomorrow. We have and Home Home Depot, Home Depot, uh, Lowe's. Home Depot lows. We got Target BJ's. on Wednesday with BJ's. BJ's is a wholesaler, not like the restaurant, not like the brew house, people on the West Coast. Um, and then we have TJ Maxx. And I think on Friday, we have one more that's important that I'm not uh, remembering, but we have another important one on Friday. So another important uh, week in earnings. This week will highlight more so industrials and home builders. So if we can have strong earnings in those areas, this is less tech focused. Um, that's going to be good as a more route well-rounded, holistic earnings picture, not just one little sector doing ultra good. So I'm I'm hopeful that Home Depot and Lowe's are going to give positive as well as Target. Yep. National Association of Home Builders reported the housing market index was at 49 down from 55 in July. Um, any number below 50 indicates generally that more builders view sales conditions as poor than good. So home builder confidence is turning slightly negative in the month of August. Again, this is all it's from a macro. Per- yeah, keep it in perspective. Yeah. I mean, these home builders have been making, you know, been cranking a grip out like, of money yeah. hand over fist, selling more houses than they've ever. So, so their perspective, their psyche is a little bit skewed as well as things start to slow down. Oh, poor home builders. And yet the delta of where they were generally at this time of year or in previous years versus today is still extremely, extremely high compared to what it was. In terms of housing inventory, 
We are continuing to see inventory increase, but the inventory build has slowed somewhat over the last several weeks. We do have uh, inventory up 128% since the seasonal low in March of 2022. Inventory is up 30.3% year over year and now 25.8% above the peak last year. So it is trending upwards again, another lagging indicator that what the Fed and the economy and policy, ultimately what they're trying to do is actually working. Inventory up compared to two years ago in 2020 is currently down 8.6%. And we know that, you know, what what was the market doing in August of 2020 after things opened up in June? It started ripping, right? right? So currently inventory is still down 8.6% to this date two years ago. And inventory compared to 2019 in August is currently down 43%. So we shall continue to keep an eye on what housing inventory is doing, being that as the Fed continues to raise rates, what that does to curb demand and how that whole supply and demand curve ultimately creates the sentiment and the overall snapshot of where the housing market is at. But right now, still strong, still stable. Again, I've been hearing some influencers and big people calling for a major market crash. And as of right now, there are no signs of that. With that being said, we do have mortgage rates at 5.33% on the 30-year fixed, 15-year 4.65%. I mean, the the 30-year jumbo is looking pretty nice right now at the 4.7. 4.69 4, is what I saw last week. I said. Yeah. yeah. And 4, it just to show you, it's it's they know that wealthier people, which still is still spending money, money. jumbo products are still spending money and they're going to keep spending money. So with that being said, we've got some great updates for you guys over the Next week or so, we release a lot of this information on our social channels as well. Follow us at Official Mattier at R Breedwell. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show. If you enjoy the show, please take one minute to leave us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on. Shoot us a text, 844-447-1555. Until next week's episode. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Wealth Building Wednesday. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. If you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you either leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this content on or share this with somebody that you know can gain some insight, some value from it. One of the things that you guys know about Ryan and I is, you know, we definitely won't say we have all the answers and we definitely won't say we know it all. We just want to bring conversation to the areas, the topics that we believe are really important to bring attention and awareness to, to help you sharpen your ax, put more tools on your tool belt, weaponize you to make the best decisions that align not only with your financial goals, right, but your lifestyle goals. So if you guys want to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. Most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective or really in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish and by when. And this is something Ryan does for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you are someone who is serious about building your wealth and you're already kind of established, but you want to surround yourself with other like-minded, high net worth individuals 
Be sure to text WEALTHCAMP, one word, to 844-447-1555 to learn more about our intimate five-star experiences with other like-minded business owners and investors to cross-pollinate, to hear what they're doing, and to have a whole hell of a lot of fun while we're doing it. And last, if you want to know more about consulting or getting mentorship directly from me or from Ryan, you can learn more by texting the word MENTOR to 844-447-1555. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. Cheers.